Hi, I'm Rebecca Keatley, and you're listening to A Good Old Natter. It's that time for A Good Old Natter with Dan Parker. Well, hello there, and a very warm welcome to A Good Old Natter. I hope you're all keeping well and staying safe. It's been a slight change for the podcast, as due to the country recently going back into lockdown, I've had to take a good old natter virtual. Thankfully, due to the power of technology, I've been able to speak with guests over Zoom, no technical hitches permitting. In this episode of A Good Old Natter, I linked in with Rebecca Keatley, presenter, actress, dancer and regular on CBeebies. Rebecca talked to me about growing up in South Wales, how Christmas was for her, life in Panto and perhaps the world's biggest Brussels sprout tree. Enough said. I hope you enjoy. Well, Rebecca Keatley, hello and welcome, or should I say Chrysler? which I believe is Welsh for welcome. Is that oh, right? yes, Kreisio. Yeah. Kreisio. Oh, well I was close. Yeah. I was close. Are you, no, that are you, was really good. Can I ask, are you fluent in Welsh? No, I'm not. You're not? I'm not, unfortunately. But get what? Guess this, get this. I've been doing Duolingo re- recently. Um, I've joined during lockdown. It's been quite interesting because I, I did GCSE Welsh in school for all the wrong reasons. A boy I really fancied was, was taking that as a subject. So I decided really? to take it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the and, language um, of love, quite literally. Well, don't get too close because there's a lot of kind of consonants that uh, cause a lot of spittle. So you don't want to get too close <laughs> to the person you love. They might get something in the eyeball. Um, but um, yeah, I always really struggled with it. And I've, I've not actually gone for a dyslexia test, but I think I need to because I think I'm actually dyslexic. And that's why I struggled so much with Welsh. I mean, I still struggle now with, you know, words mixing up and uh, letters mixing up and... Uh, Welsh especially there's like a million consonants next to each other and for me personally I find it really really tough but I'm getting there I'm getting there Daniel I really am so every day do a little bit of Duolingo so next time we speak I might be fluent who knows if you just give me another 10 years we might I might be fluent well I think I'm gonna need about 50 years (laughs) don't worry (laughs) obviously you grew up in Port Talbot and my granddad was actually from Brecon so I know oh. that generally Welsh is more actually spoken in North Wales as opposed to South, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, they've got it down in North Wales. And it's slightly different as well. I, I did a TV show called Caridiad Iaith and they got a few Welsh people who were on TV or radio or film. And we ended up staying somewhere for 10 days, basically learning Welsh every day. It was so much fun. It was so, so much fun. They used a technique called desuggestopedia, if I remember rightly. And so they just throw as much Welsh at you as possible they just speak Welsh to you constantly and you're surrounded by it and by the end you do you know you do retain quite a lot of it even though we learned about animals in the forest so it's of no use to me whatsoever because um, I went straight back to London well, at that point and I thought I, I don't know I can't really use any of this you say but that yeah, though, was, if a career in wildlife television you never know well I'm always up for that I yeah. I'm a big fan of animals. What can I say? Um, if there's a cat around or a dog, I've just got to get down on my knees and stroke them. I love them. Do you have any pets yourself? <laughs> no, I don't. I would absolutely love a pet. That's next on my list. But with all, you know, with so much traveling around, it's so difficult yeah. to 
you know, to commit to a pet and you, you want to be able to give it 110%, don't you, if you get an animal. So, um, but my fingers are crossed that I can do that. No, in exactly. Next couple of years. We've recently just got a, a puppy actually, uh, oh. just back in October. And yeah, I know it's like looking after a baby. It really is. It's, uh, it, it does uh, take up a lot of time. What dog have you got? Black Labrador. Yeah. <gasps> so now I've heard that they, I mean, they're quite full on, aren't they? They're full they of energy and into everything. And yeah. cheeky, that's the word, cheeky. At the moment, it was just a case of trying to get it toilet trained, which is uh, tricky <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> I, I know what you mean, because lots of people obviously have bought pets during this lockdown period. And a good friend of mine, Charlie, just bought a kitten because he was in lockdown by himself for, you know, for the majority of the time. And it's so tough, isn't it? I yeah. mean, I can only imagine. But and luckily, I was with my family, but... I know that it was really, really tough for, for lots of people. So yeah, of course, get a pet. So he got a cat, but it's almost, or a kitten, and it's almost broken him, literally. Oh. I know. It's, it's worth it's it. It's getting though. better. It's so worth it. And he's in love with the cat. He really is in love with it now. But I think it was just a shock to the system. I'm a single man, you know, just not used to any any responsibility whatsoever. Going yeah. to bed late, you know, getting up late. And, um, Sounds like some and sort of then... sitcom, doesn't it? Man and the kitten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll probably write a sitcom. He is a comedian, really, so he probably he? will. He probably will write write um, a sitcom out of this. I'm sure at some point. <laughs> um, Rebecca, talk to me about life growing up in in South Wales. Obviously, such a beautiful part of the world. What was your childhood like growing up there? It was wonderful, and it's one of those things you don't really get to compare it to anything else because I only lived there, so I, I don't know what it was like anywhere else growing up. But what I do know, I can compare it now to London or Manchester because I've lived in both places. And I was lucky enough to go back during lockdown. And it just opens your eyes to how beautiful and pleasant it is there. You know, I lived in Port Talbot. We've got Aberavon Beach. It's like a mile long sandy beach. It's incredible. It really is. It's wonderful. Um, you've got Pulse, Pulse Call as well, just across the way where my grandparents lived. We used to always go and visit, visit them again. Another beautiful beach and coastal scenery. It's incredible. And then behind where my mum lives, there's a great big mountain hill. And you know, I spent a lot of the time going up there for walks during lockdown. You know, when you go out for your hours exercise up over the top of the hill and you've got these incredible views from this coastal path across to Swansea. Sometimes you can see across to Devon on a clear day. Wow. And yeah, I think I spent a lot of my time basically outside playing. I did. I was a very outdoorsy kind of person, a bit of a tomboy, really. Football, rugby, you know, I loved running. Um, in fact, that's all I ever did was run. I was race me, race me, <laughs> dad, race me. And I loved running. And I think if I wasn't uh, a TV presenter, I think I would have gone into, into probably sport in some way. I, I loved sport and being active. So it sounds like despite lockdown, you've, you've thankfully been able to get back to see family back in Wales over the Christmas period. I did briefly, yeah. So that was, that was really nice, Nick, back for Christmas Day. And I, I'd not had Christmas, a proper Christmas for seven years because I've been in Panto really? for the last seven oh, course, years. Yeah, so yeah. it seemed like a wonderful opportunity thinking, oh, wow, I'm off. I'm, I'm going to be free. I can <laughs> obviously I miss Panto because I love Panto, but I thought, great, I'm going to have this time off. But you don't really get to experience Christmas in lockdown because it's 
that thing of walking around the streets and the shops and getting that Christmassy feel. Yeah. And when you're in Panto, you don't. You're just thinking, oh, crikey, I've got, oh, I've got half an hour. Two shows a day, show. isn't it? Yeah, yeah let's, and three shows quite often three. as well. So, yeah, so you, you don't have much time and it's just a bit of a hamster wheel if that makes sense loop, just yeah. always on it you're on a loop so this year I thought oh I can't wait so it was it was lovely it was lovely just even to have that Christmas day experience again it's lovely and is it true that some pantomimes I'm sure I remember this like some pantomimes the main roles don't always have understudies either no not really I think they're getting better at that now yeah seems bizarre but, yeah quite often what they do is they put the ensemble they give the ensemble they give them the cover roles so you know, a lot, and a lot of these, a lot of the ensemble, they're so talented, absolutely fantastic. And they'll be coming out of dance school or maybe musical theatre school on their Christmas break to do the panto. I have no idea how they do it. Nice. Um, so they're really, it's mental, absolutely mental. And then they'll do that for six weeks and then they'll go straight back into drama school. And I know that it's full on, you know, when I went, it, it really is a full time vocation. But they absolutely love it. So anyway, going back to your point, yes, they uh, they end up covering for some of the roles, or they just get just get told, oh look, you're covering um, the genie and you're covering the dame. So this young lad will be like, uh, okay. So they they'll be learning it backstage now and again, thinking, well, hopefully we'll never have to go on. But sometimes it happens where some of the ensemble have to cover, and yeah, they've been incredible. I've got to say, you know. I can remember years ago, one of our local pantos back in Essex, I think it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and they had this big sickness and diarrhoea outbreak for cast. And it literally, there was one night where the girl that was playing Snow White, as soon as the curtains closed, there was this news story that she had to run off stage and be sick in a bucket. So oh, glad to hear that they're, they're starting to get into a bit more cover now these days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what happened with us in Litchfield. Not last year when I was in it, it was a couple of years before I'd done it previously. And yeah, it was... Um, Nova virus, is that what it's called? Yes, yeah. Um, yes. Is it Nova virus? Something like that, isn't it? I, mean, I don't know like why that. it's not coming to mind right now, but um, anyway, yeah, there was an outbreak. There was an outbreak in our cast, and I am so anal when it comes to cleaning. So I bought all all of the, the cleaning products from the pound shop, and I just went around spraying everything. I said, we can't have that water filter in here because everyone's putting their bottles up to it. And, you know, and so they... We got rid of that as well. And so easy to spread. It's so yeah. easy to spread something like that. And it did. It went through the cast. So quite a few people went off. Our dame, bless him. He did. He actually went on stage when he was really not well. And a similar thing was happening. He had to run off stage in between scenes and, <sighs> you know, and yeah, and be and be ill. But the thing is, with a part like that, you know, the dame, it's such a big role. You've got to give so much of yourself in that role. It's not something you can just turn up and just like no. dial out and just say your lines and get off stage. You really have to be present. And it's quite physical as well. So yeah. hats off to anyone who goes on stage with that. Crikey. Gosh, yeah. Troopers. Yeah. Just going back to uh, Christmas in the Keaty household, please tell me you had Welsh cakes. Um, not a fan? No, I am. I'm such a fan. We didn't oh, have too. them. But I will tell you that in lockdown... This year, so fun. I don't know if I if I've mentioned to you that um, not on this podcast, obviously, but I don't know if I've mentioned to you in person, Daniel, that I actually went back to Wales for my mother's partner's seventieth birthday in March, and two days later, the whole country went into lockdown. So I ended up staying there for three months. Gosh, I know. <laughs> 
this is the first time I'd been back in years. It was crazy. I've not spent that much time in Wales since I was a kid. That's nice though, isn't it though, that you got to spend some more time there in a way? It was brilliant. It was actually perfect. I had no, I had nothing else to do ultimately. I didn't have anywhere else to go, which is usually what stops you in life as a performer I think from really committing to things or or being able to enjoy things because you think oh I've, I've got to travel there or you book a tour or whatever else so I, I'm just perfect absolutely perfect and and we ended up filming from home in the end all of all of the CBB's presenters were were filming from home which was brilliant so good so good I learned so much during that time hopefully didn't uh, send my mum into insanity with with having to film in the back garden every day and trying to find props around the house and making things for the next day's links it was um it's like oh it turned into a bit of a cbd studio there you know was your mum becoming your director no luckily she not. Involved? but she's she's a creative as well yeah. so she has lots of things around her house she, she used to own a cake shop and uh, a patisserie and a cake decorating shop. So when they closed, when she retired a few years ago, she still got all these, I mean, I call them props, but decorations, because mm. she used to love decorating her window in the in the chocolate shop. And she, yeah, she's really got an eye for that kind of thing. So when it came to doing the links, they said, okay, uh, you know, got this, this and this to do. And I was like, oh, well, don't worry. I can find that, 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 that. And I go around the house and just, and my mum would help me. And I'd have an incredible array of props for a link, which is which is just what you Bonus, need for yeah. a CBeebies link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of, I'll ask you about Welsh cakes, but speaking of food, I noticed, I think it's back on Christmas Eve, you tweeted a picture of a rather insane looking Brussels sprout tree. Could you just tell us the story of that for those that might not be aware? <laughs> Well, that was in Worthing a couple of years ago. So that was a blast from the past picture. And yeah, I was down in Worthing doing Panto, which I recommend. Worthing is lovely, right on the seafront there. So nice, so nice. And one night I was walking home. I thought, what the hell is that? What's that on the floor? I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, I don't go around, by the way, picking things up off the floor generally. But I was intrigued. And I picked it up. And these are Brussels sprouts, my favourite. They're Brussels sprouts, but on a tree. And I've never seen that before. I didn't realise Brussels sprouts came on a tree. Oh. So um, I picked it up and I took it back to my little apartment I was staying in at the time. And I took a picture. So you saw that picture. And then the next day I took it into, into, into the theatre with me. And um, yeah, and we had a lot of fun on stage. It ended up on stage, that Brussels sprout tree. Uh, we got into trouble a few times, but it was very, very funny. Bit of a cost saving for the props department there, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Oh, my goodness. Staying on the Christmas theme, I've got to say, I really, really loved the cover of Merry Christmas, Everyone by Shaking Stevens that you took part in with other celebs such as Richard Arnold, Anne Hegarty, Naomi Wilkinson, who incidentally have all been on this podcast. That was in aid yeah. of Action for Children and Alzheimer's Society, wasn't it? How much fun was that to be a part of? Oh, it was fantastic. I'd done, I'd done it a couple of years before, maybe it was the year before. I'm, I'm losing track of time now. I'm so grateful to be asked because, you know, it's such an honour to, to do, to be able to do something like that. It's, you know, the people who take initiative to set something like that up because it's, you know, it's a lot of work trying mm. to get people together and find the studio, find the technicians and yeah, edit it all together. So I was, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely blessed to be asked to be part of that. But yeah, you just see all these wonderful 
celebrities you know and you're like oh my god what, what am I doing here with these people this is this is insane uh yeah so that was a lot of fun and Frank Bruno tweeted me I couldn't believe it Frank His, Bruno yeah. what I, I gotta say when when Frank Bruno popped up I was like go on son <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's probably the biggest highlight for me. And of course, despite everything that's been going on over the past year, back in 2020, the annual CBB's Christmas show was still able to go ahead. How much did that mean to you that the team were still able to put it out of the bag? Well, obviously, we all really look forward to that. It's a celebration of the year, a celebration of CBB's and... You know, none, none of this stuff is going to last forever, is it? So you really have to enjoy these moments. And I love the team at CBBS. I really do. And although I don't work with all of the people all of the time, we all bond in such a good way. You know, uh, we all get on really well. We were looking forward to the show. So when we found out that it was actually going to go ahead, it's like, yes. And just something to look forward to, like you say, because lockdown has been so grueling and never ending for many people thought right okay fantastic but also you know you don't quite know if it's going to go ahead because you think yeah you're like is it isn't it are we going to make it work but they covered everything we had tests done before we went in and you know obviously social distancing and we were in bubbles as well and I was in a bubble with Nigel Clark and we had um we had like a kind of a Laurel and Hardy that's what they were looking at doing anyway Laurel Hardy type comedy movement scene with us we were space protectors so when we rehearsed we rehearsed in a little town hall with all the doors open but we kept our masks on and we kept our distance but oh my goodness it was so such hard work as I say it's a physical scene but they slow it down for television so we're doing it double time in real life it's that's the timing that we have to practice to so we were just covered in sweat and we had our masks on <laughs> which which trying to breathe through one of them while your your heart rate is like 100 and, you know whatever 190 beats per minute it was it was quite tough so uh, yeah it was a challenge to do that but we got there and then we we filmed it in a green screen studio again they they'd set it all out everybody was spaced out and the makeup artists had you know all the gear on and they did a fantastic job so the weird thing was, is normally you get to rehearse with everyone and see everyone's scenes and see what everyone's doing, but we didn't get to see any of that. So only until it went live did we have a chance to watch the production. And I thought it was brilliant. You know, I think what people don't realise is I am such a big fan. If you're in CBBS, I'm such a big fan of everyone else. You know, I, I just love watching everyone and it fills me with absolute joy to see what they've brought to the table. They're also talented. I mean, I can't believe I'm, you know, I even work with some of these people. They're just absolutely brilliant. I loved it. And I think it's been one of the, you know, the best viewed shows so far. Knocking the Snow Queen off the top spot. Ah, but, you know, it's, uh, it, Amazing, it, was, though, it, was, oh, it was fantastic. I really, I, th- I thought they did a great job. Now, you're a, a trained actress and dancer, and it, it's clear, if you're just listening to you today, how much you love theatre. Now, theatre in particular has obviously been hit really hard because of the pandemic. Can I ask you a bit of a topical question, I guess, but how worried are you about the future of theatre, particularly on like the West End, etc.? Or are you quietly optimistic that theatres will soon be back on track? I... I go through stages really you know I think like everyone you have your up days and down days and it's not looking good for businesses generally is it it's a really difficult difficult time but the optimist in me says I know that people are going to want to get 
back out. You know, I know I am going to want to get into a shop. I don't want to shop online anymore. It's a wonderful facility, but I want to get out to a shop. I want to get out to the theatre. I want to get out to the cinema. And I think everybody is going to feel like, you know, the floodgates have opened. And I really think the people are going to pile back out and they're going to want to have contact with people because we've been stuck in for so long. And I do believe that theatre can come back, I really do. It's going to take quite a lot of probably campaigning and support from people. But there's going to be a lot of people out there who've been on furlough, who maybe have been paid for sitting at home, maybe, or, or from working from home. And they're going to have excess or surplus cash that they're going to want to spend. So let's hope that everyone wants to get out there and spend their money and there should be some kind of initiative to us. Like, come on, guys, let's all spend money because if we spend the money, then it's going to create more money, create more jobs. I do feel like it's going to bounce back and hopefully we're going to have a massive upward spike of, of everyone just bringing life back into communities because that's what we need. We, you know, I think everyone's just missing that community feel, aren't they, yeah. really? Ah, oh, yeah, let's just hope we just get back there. I've got to say, actually, I did a show with Mr. Maker this year, this year, last year. Obviously, we're in, in 2021 now. Who knows what day of the week it is? I haven't got a clue. Um, but it was last year. That's right. And I was thrilled to be asked to do the show, can I say, because I'd seen Phil, Mr. Maker, do a show in Hackney Empire a good few years ago. And um, I thought, oh, my God, if only I could be in a show like that. It's amazing. And then he asked me, we were doing Panto together, CBB's Panto. And he said, oh, doing this show and I thought maybe you'd want to be in it and I said oh my god yes please so we started to work on it he always like attracts amazing people into his fold if that makes sense so he, he got this incredible team of people because he's such a joy to work with by the way he's so warm and generous so he just yeah he just attracts these wonderful people so we rehearsed and we were down in Bognor Regis I think and we're all getting ready for the show but the the COVID pandemic was like sweeping across the country. This was in March. And then all of a sudden we did the one show, we did one show and then it was bam, curtain down, yeah. everything's closed. And we had a whole tour set out, um, which was absolutely crushing for, mm. for all of us. I mean, especially Mr. Maker, Phil, because, you know, we'd put so much time, energy and money into it. That's the other thing, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, we just needed to come back, for sure. On a lighter note, can I ask, is there a dream role for you that you've always wanted to play, especially on stage? Is there an ultimate role that you'd like to one day perform? Um, it's one of those things. No, I don't have a dream role. It's not something in my something in my head. Like, oh, my God, I do that. I just love silly characters, I guess. I love characters that I can really absorb myself into. And until you get that role, I think you don't really know how you're going to feel about it because you might be get, 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 get given something you think oh this is amazing you get to do it and it's not maybe not quite what you had in mind but then you might have something else and it really fits you and you're like oh yes yeah and get your teeth stuck into it so sorry yeah no I can't give you a no, specific yeah. there but I just I think I just love being silly to be honest Danielle and I like making people laugh and I think that's probably why I've gone into this whole you know shenanigans that kind of leads me on beautifully, actually, to my, my next question, which is related to CBeebies. Because you say you like playing silly characters and, and make people laugh. And many of the characters, yourself and, and obviously your colleagues and your good friend, people like Katie Ashworth, etc., you play quite silly characters. Like, I can remember you guys playing a pair of, I think, silly grannies. You know, you're don <laughs> donning your wigs and your glasses and your, and your fake teeth. Yeah. Looking in from the outside, it looks like 
quite a lot of comedies obviously in, involved. I mean, how much do you enjoy performing comedy in particular? Yeah, it's my number one, really. And the great thing that CBeebies has taught me is not to, I guess, worry about things too much. You know, I think as a performer, you can really worry about being judged by others and how you're perceived. But the CBeebies audience, you know, obviously their children and their parents who are generally grateful and lovely, their response back is always so, you know, so happy and upbeat and, and positive that, you know, you don't worry about it too much. Also, there's no time to worry at CBeebies. You get given the script that morning and you start going. So you look at it, you read it, you rehearse it quickly. There's some wigs on the side of the sofa. You put them on, whatever's, you know, whatever's there. Oh, can I grab some glasses from the box? Or <laughs> can I get a moustache, whatever it is? Pop it on, you do the link. There is no time to think about it. That's why some of it is, is absolutely appalling, you know? <laughs> and that's why you can laugh at it because it's it's just silly. It's just silliness. It's like, you know, you meet it with a friend somewhere or, you know, you, you're around someone's house and you just do a silly walk and a silly accent in that moment. And that's kind of what it's like. It's just on the spot, bring in the funny and what yeah I mean I, I honestly I'm so grateful to be able to have done this for so long. Can I ask are there any particular actors or comedy performers that have inspired you in your career? Well yeah I mean so many. Growing up French and Saunders mm. and Victoria Wood I used to love what well, like my dad was into like Blackadder and that kind of thing that kind of comedy so there's, but as I say, it just carries on the fast show. I love that. What brilliant characterizations. They really took it to the next level at the time. Yeah. And, and then it just it just keeps going, really. You know, everyone keeps building on top of that. And um, I know comedy's obviously changed over the years and it's probably not as grotesque. But even things like horrible histories. Mm. Not that I watch it regularly, but I wish I did. Because when I watch that, I'm like, oh, guys, it's so good. You know, the writing on that. And it just works. again, the characters, it just works. Yeah. It's fun and it's learning. What better way to inspire a generation, really? Now, I know you've recently been taking part in the BBC Live lessons as well, uh, which I guess, considering everything that's going on, is now more important than ever. That must fill you with a great sense of pride that you're not only entertaining children, but also educating them as well. Educating them and educating myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's... <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I was asked to do it. I thought, wow, this is so exciting. Yeah, and I worked with this teacher called Mr. Smith, who was a joy. If I had him as a teacher growing up, um, yeah, I think I would have learned a lot because he's just really cool as well, you know? And that helps. That helps somebody who's making something fun and accessible to you as a child, you know? And it was a lovely experience. And this you get through so much in, in a day. You know, we, we filmed two episodes in a day and luckily there was autocue there, which we don't use in CBBs, we don't use autocue. So it was a real treat to be able to read the lines and get it right as well. But, you know, they've got specialists working on it in the other room, pulling you up on any slight... Uh, misgiving or if you've said something slightly wrong you're like oh no no let's go back to do that it wasn't quite so you know they really care about education mm. and putting the right message out as they should obviously but yeah what what a great facility it's brilliant absolutely brilliant I remember being back in Wales actually during lockdown I went out for my little stroll and one of my mother's friends was walking down the street <clears throat> two meters apart I might add and she just shouted across and said oh my little ones have been watching the BBC oh. Bite Size and you know, the live lessons. So that was really nice to hear, yeah. even then. And then I got to do it then, months later. So, yeah, what, what, what a gift. It was great. 
Now, Rebecca, in each of these episodes of Good Old Natter, I always ask the guests to share a little fact about them, which perhaps many people don't already know, no matter how random or quirky. So is there a little known fact about Rebecca Keatley that you can share with our listeners? Well, yes, OK, there is there is a fact. So before I started in CBBS, obviously I was, I was a jobbing actress. I did lots of different jobs. But I was always looking to kind of better myself, really, and just find other strings to my bow. So I trained as a fitness instructor and I used to teach classes. And I also trained as a cognitive hypnotherapist. And I okay. also did that in Harley Street on the side as well. So there are two facts that people might not know about me. And for those who aren't aware, what does cognitive hypnotherapy involve? Oh, it involves a watch and like just moving it back and forth. No, I'm joking. It doesn't. Um... <laughs> I genuinely believed you there. <laughs> So it's an amalgamation of different kinds of therapy brought together. And then hypnotherapy is used to basically word weave positive suggestions to that client. It's been amazing for me as well. You know, I, I learned so much and it's also helped me. Um, and I recommend hypnotherapy for anyone, really. And just, just finally then, Rebecca, looking ahead to the future, what are your dreams and ambitions? What do you want to be next for Rebecca Keatley? It's a good question. Well, you know, you've asked me right now while I'm actually, I'm still trying to think about what the next step is. There are so many opportunities out there, aren't there? There's so many things you could do. My interests are definitely in performing and, you know, character work. So fingers crossed something will happen with that. But I'm also quite into healthy lifestyle and healthy living. And so maybe something down that end of the scale as well, you know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I put some, you know ideas out there float some ideas and hopefully get creative in the next couple of weeks that's the thing now I've settled into my new place here in uh, Manchester hopefully there'll be a bit of time now to focus on some new projects and maybe climb that Brussels sprout tree and you might find a castle at the top of it in the clouds who knows well that's all I can hope for Danielle that's all I can hope for (laughs) Rebecca Keatley thank you for having a good old natter with me Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. What a lovely way to start the day. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of A Good Old Natter. My huge thanks to Rebecca Keatley and Peter Dixon, Giles and Bob for my theme music. Stay tuned for future episodes of the podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify and Podbean. Oh, and if you have any suggestions of guests you'd like to hear interviewed on A Good Old Natter in the future, do drop me a message or tweet at Dambo12. Until next time, keep nattering away.